0: Sound good? You ready for some church? All right. Well, welcome to all of you. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we like to tell people right up top, because if you keep coming, you're going to figure it out anyways. We're not even close to perfect here, and we're not going to pretend that we are. We're a bunch of messed up, imperfect people, but we love to get together and pursue a perfect God. So no matter what you got going on, we're glad that you're visiting with us. We hope that you make it more than a visit. We hope that you make this A regular thing, but man, you are welcome. So, we're in this teaching series uh, called Battle Tested. Uh, Before I get into it, let me just quickly say hi to all of our locations. Hello to all of our Denver based locations. We love you, um, men and women at both uh, God Behind Bars campuses. We love you like crazy. We're glad you're with us today. And would you guys help me in saying hello again to the newest member of the Red Rocks Church family, our Brussels, Belgium campus. We love you guys. We're glad you're with us. We're in this teaching series called Battle Tested. And we've been looking at some guys who've been through some battles. And we're asking questions like, what did they do that we can do today? What did they learn in these battles that they were in that we could learn today? Because we all know one thing, we'll go through battles, won't we? That's just part of life. Different times, different severities, but we'll go through battles. Fights, I mean, sometimes we're, we're fighting for our marriage. And sometimes you're single and you're fighting to get married. <laughs> and then sometimes you're married and you're fighting to be single. No, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> fighting for our kids sometimes. Sometimes we're in financial battles, relational battles, right? Um, Sometimes it's God put a dream in your heart and it's like, man, I'm fighting to pursue that. I'm, I'm battling to pursue what God's put on my heart to do. For some of us, it's just the situation that we're in the middle of right now. And, and if we were honest, we'd say it's a fight right now. I'm just battling what I'm in the middle of. That's real, isn't it? And that's what this series is about. What did these guys learn in their battles that we need to learn so that we can do today? If you have a Bible with you or if you'd like to follow along on the Bible on your phone, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6. We're going to continue last week's talk. Last week we met a guy named Gideon, and Gideon is in trouble, right? Gideon, where we're going to uh, get into today, he's having one of those days where you just kind of go, man, can it get any worse? Have you ever had one of those, right? Right? Really? I need that too? That also needs to happen? (laughs) Are you not hearing me, right? Like we just have those days. That's what's going on with Gideon. And so let's get in this. Judges 6, verses 1 through 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts. Caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents. Listen to this. Their tents were like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Gideon and the rest of the Israelites, they're in one of those seasons where they're like, can anything else go wrong? They're foodless, jobless, penniless, homeless, The Midianites, the Amalekites, all the other ites, they're all getting together and they're attacking them and they're so freaked out. They're saying, we're looking out there. There's so many soldiers, we can't even count them. There's so many camels, we can't even count them. And I was reading this week and I was just laughing because I was thinking, you know, if, if we were to go around the room here or at any of our other campuses and say, man, tell me, like, what's your biggest fear right now? Like, what's the thing you're battling in life right now? Few of us would say it's a camel. Few of us would say, man, I just got camel problems, you know, right? And these guys, they're all freaked out. There's so many soldiers and there's so many camels. Camels meant, uh uh-oh, we're dealing with the best of the best. When somebody back when this was written, when somebody would read this and they would go, there's so many soldiers we can't count, and they'd go, oh, no, and there's so many camels that we can't count, and they'd go, "Say it's not so. (laughs) Camels meant they could carry huge swords and and supplies into battle camels meant they were prepared to take huge amounts of plunder after they came in and destroyed everything they were going to take all your stuff that's why they were bringing camels camels they were for the special forces only the navy seals had camels right the highly financed had camels and so they're like oh no there's so many men we can't stand it but look out because here come the camels God, help us. We got a camel problem. And God shows up and he starts this conversation with Gideon. And he says this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And if you've grown up in church... You've heard many sermons possibly about that verse because there's a whole lot that can be preached out of that verse about how God called him a mighty warrior because it's so ironic because he wasn't acting like a mighty warrior. We got into this last week, right? If you read the whole story, Gideon is currently hiding probably in a cave, but he's threshing wheat in a wine press threshing wheat is something you do out in the open, out in open space, so the wind can can come through there and separate the good stuff from the bad stuff. But he's not out in the open because he's scared to death of the soldiers and, God forbid, the camels, right? And so he's scared to death, so he's hiding probably in a cave, but he's in a little wine press, threshing wheat, because he's scared. And here comes God, and he says, hey, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. You can't see it. You don't feel like one. Your circumstances seem to say otherwise, but I see you with the potential I've put inside of you. You're a mighty warrior. And I picture Gideon hearing this, and I picture Gideon sort of being like, all right, what do you want? You ever have somebody give you a compliment, and you just know, like, they want something? You know what I mean? Like, every now and then, just out of the blue, my wife will be like, honey, you look so handsome today. What do you want? You know what I mean? Like, you know, how I picture God, Gideon going, OK, I know what you're up to calling me a mighty warrior while I'm threshing wheat in a wine press. We've been praying for help. And now you're calling me a mighty warrior. And I see what you're doing. Don't think I don't see what you're doing. I see what you doing. You're saying I'm I'm going to somehow be the answer to the problem. I'm going to somehow win this battle. And Gideon says, before you even try that on me, he says, let me tell you why that's not happening. Judges 6, verse 13, you got to appreciate Gideon's etiquette. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> pardon me, Lord, <laughs> Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? We've heard all the stories about Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. We've heard all those miracles, but now, now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Gideon says, let me tell you right up top why this battle can't be won, why I'm not your guy. Because look at the situation. Like, it's as bad as it can be. They've taken everything. We're hiding in caves. I'm in a wine press. Like, it's as bad as it can be. And then he says, and you know, like, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you brought this conversation to me, if you want to know the truth, it's kind of your fault. That's what he says. Look around at what I'm dealing with. And I mean, quite honestly... I mean, I don't want to place blame, but uh, right—that's what Gideon's saying. It's kind of your fault. Thursday night, my family—we were going up to my son's middle school. He had a he had, Ethan had a science presentation. They had created these cities for the future and cities that could produce their own energy sources and food and water and. So they were, they were going to lay out these cities that they had built in the, in the gymnasium. And then as families, we come up there and we go around and all the kids do presentations about how their city works. So Jill's getting ready to take Ethan up to this. She says, Sean, I got to have Ethan there by 545. I'm taking him up to the school. You've got the other two boys. And then sometimes I think that Jill, when she looks at like me sitting in the living room with the boys, she's like, I have four children. That's what I think she thinks. I can't prove it, but I think that's what she thinks because here's what was happening. She's walking out the door with Ethan. She goes, and, and and I'll be honest, I was laying on the couch watching the TV screen and my other two boys were just sitting in chairs looking at phones. I mean, I think phones have hijacked our children. I don't know where they went, but they're just right here nonstop. And so the kids are looking at phones and I'm looking at the TV screen because it's Thursday night and I'm watching the NFL pregame show, right? And And the only reason I was doing that is because of fantasy football, because the Browns were playing. Nobody should care that the Cleveland Browns were playing, right? But I got a fantasy player, so now I got to watch the Browns. That's a whole nother <laughs> topic. So I'm looking at the screen, and my wife says, she says, Sean, all you got to do <laughs> is get the kids' shoes on and be to the gym at 6 o'clock. That's all you got to do. Shoes on the boys. And I don't appreciate that she's talking to me like I'm three, but yet again, I'm Okay. You know, I don't have time to get into it because I'm watching the pregame show. And so she's says shoes on the boys and get them to the gym. And so she leaves. And so I'm just looking at the TV and I see the boys in the peripherals and they're just looking like this. And I go, hey, boys, get your shoes on. And I see them. They they both go like this. Okay. (laughs) They don't move. Right. And I'm so into my thing that I don't really care that they're not moving. And then about five minutes later, I'm like, "Boy, shoes. And they both go, okay. Because if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then I go into the kitchen and I put like some stuff in the fridge because I was supposed to put some stuff in the fridge so it doesn't spoil. And then I come back in the living room. Ashton Austin get your shoes on now we got to go I don't have many responsibilities but shoes are one of them get your shoes on we're going to the school I run upstairs I change real quick I come back down I go into the living room and you know what I saw there's not a shoe on a foot and I'm about to lose my mind I go over to Ashton he's eight he just turned eight and I grabbed him by the arm and I don't know why I did the arm grab because usually that's a public move. You know what I mean? <laughs> usually that's how that's what we parents do in public, right? We're like, <laughs> I love my child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to beat you when we get home. <laughs> I love my child. That's usually a public move, the arm grab. But for some reason, I went to that one in the living room and I grabbed his arm. And I'm like, Ashton, get your shoes on. You are going to make me crazy. And he looks up at me dead serious and he goes, then you should have made better kids. (laughs) Now, I will fight an eight-year-old if I have to. (laughs) Somehow in his mind, the fact that his shoes weren't on was my fault. I should have done something better. And that's kind of what Gideon is saying to God. The situation isn't ideal. I'm going to give you that. But truth be told, it's kind of your fault. And I, I was reading that this week, and I thought, man, we have so much in common with this guy. Because don't we do that? Now, we don't, we don't say it at church because that doesn't sound very spiritual, right? But don't we think it? You ever thought that? If God really was paying attention, that wouldn't have happened. If you were really on your game, if you really cared, if you really loved me, then the marriage would have worked. Then I wouldn't be in this financial situation. Then my job situation wouldn't look like this. If you were really paying attention, she wouldn't have got sick. He wouldn't have had the accident. Like, let's be honest. Here's the situation and it isn't very good. And to be honest, and now I don't really understand how you do and don't do things, but I'm thinking you could have prevented this. Isn't that true? We said we were gonna talk about real stuff in this series. Isn't that true? That's how Gideon felt. God, I I think I understand what you're calling me to do, but I'm not the solution here. I can't do that because look at, at what I'm dealing with in life. You probably could have stopped it. God says, Gideon, I know you don't see it. And I know you're looking around and all you see is the negative and what you're dealing with. But I'm telling you, you're a mighty warrior. I got plans for you. He keeps going. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon said, I knew it. I knew you didn't think I was handsome, Jill. You wanted something. (laughs) Calling me mighty warrior. I knew you wanted something. I tried to tell you that the situation is so bad, this can't work out right. And now you're saying I'm the solution and I'm supposed to win this battle? Maybe you didn't understand what I just tried to explain to you. Let me give you another reason why this battle can't be won. The next verse, verse 15, again with the etiquette. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> Pardon me, Lord, <laughs> Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The theologians believe that he's not just talking about strength and power right there, he's also talking about finances. And he says this, and listen, I know we feel this. God, I, I think I know what you're calling me to do right now. I don't have the finances for that. You ever felt that? I don't have the finances for, for, for that. Like, that's crazy. I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not spiritual enough to do that. I'm not educated enough or experienced enough. Or, like, I can't, I'm not the one for you. You ever felt that? That's exactly where Gideon's at. God, this this battle that I'm facing that you have put in front of me, the situation is out of control. It can't happen. And I'm just not that special. Can't happen. And to every single one of Gideon's excuses, to every single one of his concerns, to every single one of his fears, he says one thing. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. All God gives him is a five-word answer. To all your problems and all your concerns and all your questions, I will be with you. Boom. (laughs) And he just drops the mic and walks off. That's what I picture. That's it. Everything around me is falling apart. Yeah, but I'll be with you. But I'm not good enough. I'll be with you. I'm not strong enough. I'll be with you. I don't have the finances. I'll be with you. What else do you need me to say it? How many times can I say it? How else should I say it? Gideon, all you need to know is I'll be with you. And if I'm with you, then you got this. And here's what he's saying in Red Rocks. This is huge. Here's what he's saying to Gideon. And this is what he would say to us. Listen, I'm calling you, but it's not about you. Think about that. Every time God puts an opportunity in front of you, that's what he said. I'm calling you, but it's not about you. It's not about your assessment of the situation. It's not about your assessment of your own strength because it's not about your situation. It's not about your strength. It's about the one who is sending you, and that's me. God says, all you need to know is I'm with you. That's it. And so I just want to challenge you for a second. Will you just, just start to think about like, what is it that keeps you up at night right now? What are some of those battles that you're fighting? And some of you need to apply this to your life right now. Some of you need to store this away for a rainy day because you will be in a battle. But let the story of Gideon preach to all of us today for just a minute. I'm not good enough, God. He says, I know. I am. I'm not strong enough. I know. I am. I'm not financed enough. I know. I am. That's what he's saying to Gideon. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not equipped. I know I am. Because I'm calling you, but it's not about you. That's what he's saying to Gideon. And I believe that's what he would say to a whole bunch of us today. And Gideon, with with some radical faith that I don't truly understand. And by the way, Chad just did a talk a few weeks back about radical faith, radical obedience. And if you miss that, you need to get the app or get on your computer and go back and watch that or listen to that because it was amazing. But Gideon, with some radical obedience, says, okay. And he sends out messengers and starts putting together a little army. Who's with me? Who will fight with me? It's Braveheart style. And 32,000 guys turn off the game and go, okay. (laughs) I'm in. And that sounds pretty impressive until you read the whole story. Because what you find out is, is while he had 32,000 guys, they got 135,000 men and, oh, dear God, the camels. (laughs) Right? This battle can't be won. 32,000 against 135,000 can't be won. They're the special forces. Like, this can't happen. You look up underdog in the dictionary, it's Gideon with his boys going. <laughs> can't happen. God better add to this army. That's what Gideon's saying. Judges 7, verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon. C- can you guys repeat this part with me? <clears throat> Ready? Ready? All of us together, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. What? (laughs) You know what, God? I've had enough help from you on this particular subject right about now. We only got 32,000. They got 135,000 in the camels. Like, what are you talking about? You have too many men, Gideon. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Or Israel would boast against me My own strength has saved me. Now talk about us and where we live and this being real. God says, I have an itching suspicion that if I get you out of this jam with my power and my strength and I miraculously provide a victory for you, I have a suspicion that you're gonna walk away from this and go, whew, Locked out on that one. I have a suspicion that if I give you this victory, you're going to walk away from it and go, well, we pulled that off, didn't we? I don't think that you're going to stop and go, look what God did. I don't think you're going to fully recognize that it was all my strength that got you through that. And here's the problem with that. If you don't realize that this battle was totally won by me, you'll find yourself in another battle next week and you'll be hiding in a wine press again. I can't have that. I need you to understand that every battle you go into is not about your situation. It's not about your strength. It's about the one who sent you. That's why some of us freak out and we go, Oh God, help me with this financial problem. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't believe this is happening. And you tell everybody who will listen, and you got it. And, and God's going, Didn't I bail you out the last time you were in a financial situation? Yeah, you did, but this situation's different. No you're focused on the wrong thing again. Yeah, but this situation is different and I don't have the ability to get out of this one. It's because you keep focused. You keep thinking it's about the situation and it's about your strength. And until you realize it's all about my strength, every time something goes wrong, you're gonna jump in a wine press and start panicking again. So God says, I gotta teach you this lesson. You gotta learn this one now, Gideon. And so (laughs) class gets started. Verse three. It gets crazier. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. (laughs) Really? Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left. (laughs) while 10,000 remained. Now put yourself in Gideon's shoes for a minute. I'm trying here. Can you throw me a bone? I'm trying to obey you. I've only got 32,000 men. Now you want me to go tell them, hey, if anybody's scared and wants to go home, now's a good time. Yep. Another episode of radical obedience, and Gideon goes to 32,000 men. He says, all right, I... If you're scared and want to go home, now's the time. And 22,000 men go, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) God bless you. And they're out. And now he's only got 10,000 men. And I'm reading that this week, and I'm studying this this week, and I'm going, okay, God, how are these 10,000 men like completely void of fear? And then all of a sudden, it hit me. I read chapter 7, verse 10, and verse 11, and verse 12. And all of a sudden, I realized, no, 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 no. They were all scared. Because after this happened, even the leader, Gideon, scared. In verse 10, God goes, hey, Gideon, you scared? And Gideon goes, yep. (laughs) Here's what happened. God put an opportunity in front of every single one of these soldiers. And every single one of them stepped up and said, okay, God, I'll follow you. And every single one of them started to feel some fear because they're not stupid. And we don't get to have perfect faith. We don't get to do anything perfect until heaven, including have faith. So none of them have perfect faith, which means all of them are dealing with fear. They're not dumb. They know what this means. By every bit of my imagination, because me, I'm saying, yes, I'll fight this battle, I'll probably never see my wife again. I'll probably never see my, ki- my kids again, my family again, none of it. Every single one of them had to deal with fear. 22,000 of them said, because I'm afraid and I have the option, yeah, I'll go home. 10,000 of them, though, said, of course I'm, I'm afraid. Of course I'm scared. I may never see my kids again. But you know what? I think God's calling me. So on this one, I won't go home. On this one, I'll fight scared. And that's it right there, Red Rocks. That's where we live our lives moment to moment is God puts these doors of opportunity in front of us and he says, serve here, give here, reach out here, take this opportunity, move here, stay here. He puts these doors of opportunity in front of us and if it has any significance to it at all, We talked about this in week one. Satan's going to try and mess with us, so there's going to be some fear, and right there's the battlefield, and right there's where we get to decide, okay, God's given me an opportunity. I feel fear. I can either go home, or I can say, you know what? On this one, I know he's calling me. I'm going to follow. I'm going to obey. I'm going to fight scared on this one. Every single one of us will have to make that decision. See, I used to think that fear was obeying God. I'm sorry, I used to think that faith was obeying God with the absence of fear. That's what I used to think. And I used to think, man, one of these days when I arrive, when I have perfect faith, God will call me to do things and I'll be like, boom, I'm not even afraid. But then I've started to realize we don't don't get to do anything perfect until heaven not even have perfect faith. Which means if God gives me an opportunity and it has some significance to it, I'm going to feel fear. And it's right there that I get to go, okay, do I go home or do I fight scared? See, real faith is this is what God's calling me to do and I'm scared to death, I'll do it anyways. That's what real faith looks like because that's real life for us. It's not the absence of fear. It's I'll obey you, God, even though I'm scared and I don't know how this is going to play out. And I started thinking this week, like, what's that really look like for us? Because I don't want to get fired up about something at church and not be able to actually like do what we talk about on Wednesday. What's that really mean? Fight scared. Because it sounds cool. It sounds like something we ought to say at church, especially in a battle-tested series. But what's that mean? And I started writing down just some hypotheticals. Here's what it looks like. Here's what fighting scared looks like. God's calling me to forgive that person. I don't even have to pray about it, neither do you. We don't, you don't even have to pray. It, it cracks me up when people go, I'm just praying, you know, God, should I forgive them? You don't have to ask him that. He's already told you. Yes. He said, because I forgave you, you forgive them, whether they deserve it or not. Now, look, I know this one hits close to home. Whether they've apologized or not, whether they've taken responsibility or not, whether you still hurt from what they did or said or not, And so you go, God's calling me to forgive. And I don't have a clue how this is going to work out. But on this one, I'm not going home. I'm going to fight scared. So what's that look like? It looks like this. I pick up the phone and I dial the number. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm called to forgive. I'll just dial the number. That's fighting scared. Fighting scared is God's calling me to tithe. God's calling me to be generous. God's calling me to give to somebody or something. But the truth is now shouldn't be the time and my finances are upside down and what I really wanna do, what feels natural to me is hold on to everything I have and then maybe someday when I'm in a better, better position, then I'll start giving to God and, and, and being obedient with my finances. But, but the truth is right now, you know that God's calling you to be obedient. And so what's looked like? scared look like? Look, look like? It looks like this. Nobody else in my office does this. And on paper, this doesn't make any sense, but I know it's what God's calling me to do. So give me the checkbook. I'll write the check. That's what fighting scared looks like for some single people who desperately don't want to be single. And if you would lower your standards, you could get a date this week. But you know, no, God's calling me to hold out for somebody who's sold out for him. And so although it means I might have to be alone again this weekend and I don't know what God's long term plan is and I don't know how this is going to play out. You know what? This week I'm not going home. This week I'm going to fight scared. So no, I won't go out with you. Like this is practical, real life stuff, isn't it? And there's this one analogy, and and this is my third talk in the Battle Tested series, and each week I've put it in my notes, and each week so far I've taken it out for time's sake. But I couldn't get it off my heart, and I kept thinking, this is for somebody. And so I don't know who this is for, but let me give you another example of what it looks like to fight scared on a daily basis. Remember last week I told you the story about the time card, and I went down to Pastor Mayo's office, the most godly man on the planet, and I wanted to fight him, but I should have been fighting Pastor Jeremy? Because a fight needed to happen, let's be honest, right? But I just was fighting the wrong fight. Jeremy worked with me and Chad and Dan and some other friends of ours on the youth staff. We all worked together on the youth and young adult staff. And then all of a sudden, there was this one season of life where a new pastor came into the church and took over. And the, and the direction of the church shifted a little bit. And, and some of us on the youth staff, we started feeling like God was calling us to other things. And, and me and Chad felt like God was calling us to go start churches. And Dan felt like he was called to leave and go to another state and be a part of a startup church. And so Jen and Jeremy, Jen's his wife, Jen and Jeremy are going, man, what, what's going on here? Like all our friends are leaving. Sean and Jill are gone. Dan and Megan are gone. Chad and Rachel are gone. And so they started going, okay, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And that was a scary prayer for them because they both grew up in Rockford. All their families were from Rockford. But they started going, okay, I just want to submit to you, God. I want to trust you. I want to obey you. Yeah, I'm scared to death, but I'll go anywhere. And they got real submissive. And they're like, send me wherever you want. Send me to Africa, China, Outer Mongolia, Kansas. Like, whatever. (laughs) I'll sacrifice. One time... Jen was worshiping in church, and she was praying that prayer. God, I'll go wherever you send me. I'll go wherever you call me. And she felt like God spoke to her. She felt like God just put this thought in her mind that was so strong. It just had to be from him. And so she, she went to Jeremy and she said, you know, we've been praying. And she said, today in worship, I feel like God spoke to me about our future. And Jeremy was like, okay, scared to death, but where is it? What's he saying? And she said, I was praying this. God, we'll go anywhere you call us to go. And she said, I felt like God said back to me, I know you'll go anywhere I call you to go, but will you stay if I call you to stay? And that's real right there. See, what happens, especially with us men, is we start talking about battle-tested and new ground and taking risks and obeying God, and we think, every one of us thinks, I better quit my job. I better move to another state. I better do something new real quick. And I'm going to tell you way more times than God will call you to that, He'll call you to be really, really faithful and obedient right where He has you. And that sometimes is one of the hardest things to do. And so you know what fighting scared looks like? God, the situation I'm in the middle of right now, it isn't what I picture. But you've called me to this spot for a reason, for a person. And so today I go and I give it my best. And today I'll fight scared. I'll be obedient and faithful right here where you got me. Sometimes that's the toughest one to obey. What we learn from Gideon is that there's flat out going to be times in your life when God calls you to something and he says, if you want this, you're going to have to fight for it. And just because you're scared, that doesn't mean you run home, that it's possible to go, yeah, God's calling me to this. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I am scared to death. So on this one, I'll fight scared. Let me say it again. Faith, real faith. It's not that I never feel fear. It's that even when I'm scared to death, I say, okay, God, if that's where you're calling me, then that's where I'm going. That's what it looks like. And I think that's what Gideon would tell us. Expect it, be prepared for it so it doesn't shock you. There's gonna be times in your life where I'm gonna call you to things and it's gonna be tough and you're gonna have to fight scared. And I think he would say, and don't you ever, ever forget, it's not about your situation. Stop looking around and going, I'm gonna have hope again when my situation changes. Stop putting your hope in your situation. Stop putting your hope in your own strength and start putting it in the one who sent you. That's where your hope goes. That's where your strength comes from. God says, I'm calling you, but it's not about you. And that's what I think we can take from the story of Gideon. That's what God told him, right? Those five words, I will be with you. Boom. That's what you need to know. It's the exact same thing he said to Moses. Band, you guys can come up. This whole series, Chad and I have been talking about the nation of Israel and their journey from being enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years to the promised land and then beyond and what happened in the promised land. The whole thing got started when God went to Moses one day and said, hey, this, I need you to get this entire nation out of slavery because I got plans for them. Eventually, Jesus Christ is going to come to this world through this nation of people. I got big plans for them. Go get them. And Moses reacts the same way Gideon does, the same way Joshua does, the same way you and I do often. Me? Don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you understand what I'm dealing with? Look at this. So now go. I'm sending you. Sound familiar? I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Same thing we feel all the time. Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. Same thing he said to Gideon. Same thing he says to us. And watch how this one plays out, verses 13 and 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name then? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. If I wasn't, then why would I say I am? <laughs> you thought Eminem came up with that. No, 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 that's God. <laughs> I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites I am has sent me to you. You tell them, I am sent you. That's what you tell them, Moses. And see, that only means something to you and me if we understand who I am is. God saying, I'll be with you, only really matters to us if we understand who God is. That's why spending time in his word is so important, so essential. And so I'm gonna read through, I'm just gonna gonna skim over a whole bunch of I am verses. And if you're listening to this, I'm not gonna say the references. And if you're watching, I'm going to skip around. You're going to have a hard time following it anyways. So here's the deal. All these verses are going to be on your app on your phone. So this week, anytime from here on out you go, there's a battle-tested button at the bottom of the app on your smartphone. You hit that and you'll see all the I am verses. And I wanna challenge every single one of you, take these verses into your quiet time this week and read over them and read over them and say, God, help me to see how big you are. Help me to see who you are so that I know that when I go into battle and you're with me, it's game changing. So whatever you're going through, look, I don't know. I don't know all of you personally. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you'll be going through a week from now, but God does. And so I just ask you, as as I start to read some of these verses and what they say, would you just start to picture God? Just let him speak to you for a minute about your life and about your situation. Because here's what he says. I am God Almighty. I am the God of your Father. Don't be afraid. Some of you need to hear this. I am the God who heals. I am the Lord your God who rescues. I am merciful. I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Some of you are still wrapped up in the game in your mind that says, I'm just not good enough. He can't love me. He can't accept me. He can't want me. And God says, no, 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 you don't understand who I am. I am who I am. And I am full of love for you. I accept you and I love you just the way you are. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. Let God speak to you. I am the Lord. There is no other Savior. I am the only God. I'm the God who comforts you. I'm the God who is near. I love this one. I am the Lord. If I say it will happen, it will happen. I am the Lord and I do not change. I am the Messiah. I am the bread that gives life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Listen to what God says to you about what you're going through right now. God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one who is and was and is coming. I am the Almighty. When we start to realize who he is, the fact that he's going with us means something. So when you start to follow the call that God has for your life and people at your school or people at your work or people in your family go, you can't do that. You can't give like that. That's crazy. You can't follow that dream. You don't have the money for that. You can't do that. You can't forgive that person. They don't deserve it. You can't save that marriage. You tell them, yes, I can. You know why? Because I am sent me. That's why I can. And every single time God puts one of these opportunities in front of you, Satan's going to try to lie to you. He's a a liar. And he's going to whisper lies in your head. Lies that say you're not good enough for this. And you don't have what it takes for this. And this is crazy. you got to rethink this. You must have heard God wrong on that one. You don't have what it takes. You tell every single one of those lies. Yes, I do. Because I am sent me. Let's go back to that very first verse we started with when we talked about Gideon, uh, Judges 6, 12. You put that up there? When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Every time I've heard this preached about, everybody focuses on the mighty warrior. But see, that's secondary. The real stuff, the powerful phrase in that verse is what? The Lord is with you. That's why you're a mighty warrior. That's the only reason you can make it. That's why you can win this battle. That's why you can get through what you're going through right now. That's why you can go where I'm about to take you. Because it's not about your situation. It's not about your strength. It's about the one who sent you, and I am with you. Red Rocks Church, let's pray. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts right now. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now, what you're stirring up inside of us right now. And I pray, God, that as we begin to worship you with music, that weights would just come right off our shoulders, that we would start to feel peace and encouragement and excitement, not because our situation looks differently, but because we're reminded that you're in the middle of it with us, that you love us, that you have a plan, and that you're working even when we don't see. I thank you, God, for everything that you've done for us. And I thank you for what you're doing for us right now and where you're taking us as individuals, as families, and as a church family. We love you so much. It's our honor to worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen. At every campus, will you stand up and let's worship.